Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey, just about 8.01 on Saturday morning. Great to have you this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning talking about your money, the economy, investing, and all those important things to help you grow your net worth. So excited to be here for the first show of 2022. With me is Chase. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing? Good morning. Be back. Oh, forgot to flip on the mic. Yeah, I got to turn the mic on. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Good to be back. I well, told Dave before the show, I'm like, yeah, I'll turn on my mic and then I forget about it. Yep. But uh, here we are. Yeah, and off to a fast start. I mean, before the show started, we saw Jim uh, and Alpine already calling in. So, Jim, you got to be patient. We got a lot to talk about before we go to the calls. Uh, phone numbers here you want to call in are 833 288 0973. That's 833. 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. As always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about uh, when it comes to investing in the economy and again growing your net worth. Uh, Chase, I was just thinking that this is uh, the first show of two thousand twenty-two. Uh, the Smart Investing Show is now twenty-nine years old, uh, running straight for that time with a, a little interruption, I think, uh, from the radio stations over the years. But yeah, twenty-nine years running the Smart Investing Show. Yeah, uh, obviously I haven't been doing it for 29 <laughs> years, but uh, gosh, I think I'm going now on year seven. Yeah? Year seven or eight. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. gone quick. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, I still enjoy doing it. I still get excited. Actually, a uh, funny story, uh, we're going on vacation, I think sometime in February, and uh, my fiance, Christina, are like, well, well, it's a long weekend. Why don't you just say so? No, no. I want to get back. I got to do the Smart Investing Show on Saturday. I just love doing it. I've been doing it for 29 years. Still love doing the show. Oh, I know. My vacation I'm planning in February as well. I said, oh, nope, we're leaving Sunday. <laughs> right. So I'm going to do the show Saturday. Our, our fiancés are not very happy with that, are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what's going on in the uh, the economy here this past week. And uh, we, we got to talk about this because it was such a big deal. But we're going to talk about Kathy Woods. Has Kathy Woods' fame come to an end after riding Tesla and other hot tech stocks in 2020? Woods predicts a strong 20% return in 2021 for her flagship fund, ARK, A-R-K-K. That was not the case. The fund lost over 23% in 2021 and now is down nearly 9% to start 2022. Uh, I'm going to let you do the punchline here, Chase, because it's unbelievable what she's saying now. Well, no, I'm going to say, too, I, I, I believe the fund's fallen even further since the post was written. I think oh. it's now down about uh, 12 13% on the year. Oh, yeah, because we did this, I think, Thursday. I think we yeah, did this. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's gone down even more. But uh, even after the struggle last year, I mean, this <laughs> is crazy. Wood has doubled down on her bold calls and believes the fund will deliver up to a 40% compounded annual growth rate over the next five years. To me, I, I mean, gosh, that, that just sounds crazy. <laughs> and after her huge miss last year, I don't see much merit in her predictions, nor do I see the type of catalyst needed to produce those type of results. I, I mean, we've seen the same outrageous predictions back during the tech boom, none of which came true. The managers that made those predictions on end of their career and funds they were running. And I, I, I think that ARC is going to be 
uh, a flash in the pan. It's going to be something that was hot in 2020, and it's going to be like in tw- 20 years, like, oh, remember how crazy that prediction oh, yeah. was? Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny. I remember some of these, and actually from the post that we did, I remember some people actually brought up the names, like Mary Meeker was hot during the tech boom, and like, oh, she had the same type of predictions. Where is she today? I don't know. A couple other ones. I think Blodgett, Henry Blodgett, I think was one. There, mm-hmm. there was other ones that they, they they had great performance because they just rode things up to crazy levels, and and then when it stopped, they they were they were over. And so, uh, but she was very hot. Kath, uh, Kathy Woods was very hot. Uh, what last year? Or t- uh, yeah, in the last year and even twenty twenty. Well, so it was twenty twenty one. The start of the year, she was on fire, and then yeah. it. Obviously, tank twenty three percent, and I think from the peak it's down like fifty percent. I was actually reading a um, interesting article in Barron's that talked about the average fund flow though into her Arc fund, mm-hmm. and this is off the top of my head. I think it was around one hundred three, one hundred six, and now the current price I want to say is around eighty or ninety. So the average person that's bought into that fund has lost money, even though it's still gone up over the oh. last five years. But it, what do people do? They buy into the hype, right? So people that were buying into Arc. A lot of people have lost money on it because they they wanted to be part of that that excitement, and the, the big thing that people miss, and it, you know, I, I joke with Harrison, our financial planner, all the time, is she was charging 0.8 percent basically to buy Tesla. You know, <laughs> her position in Tesla was like 30 percent, or it was wow. something ludicrous in 2020. I was like, you should have just bought 100 percent Tesla back then. <laughs> yeah, if that's what you're going to do. What you're gonna do. Yeah. And she was charging 0.8 percent for that. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and this is why we talk about growth doesn't work. And also, too, when people come in and they'll say, well, what's your past performance? Well, you know, we can tell people what the past performance is, but it's really not important because how many people went into Kathy Woods fund because, oh, wow, she did 100 percent. I want to be part of that. You've got to understand the concept of the investing. What are they investing in? And if you looked at what she was investing in, all those high flyers, and again, you said about 30% in Tesla, and I think she had Peloton, she had uh, Tele, Teledoc, I think. She still all, has Teledoc. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but all these crazy ones, like, and you gotta, as an investor, sit back saying, do I wanna be the guy or the gal that pays the highest price for these? Or do I wanna find somebody that's investing and trying to find some value to something that buying things on sale versus the fear of missing out uh, problem. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying too, is I just don't see how you could produce 40% per year over five years. I, I mean, that is that is a ludicrous return. I, well, I mean, it, it's just insane. Well, I guess she thinks that uh, Tesla's gonna go to what, 5,000, well, I Tesla's guess. Tesla's only like eight, and, and this is the oh, other thing. Oh, it's only 8% thing. now? It, it's really been, well, think about it. Tesla was up 56% last year. Right. Her fund was down 23%. So even with Tesla being up 56%, <laughs> she paired that back last year to buy other things, and she bought things like Coinbase and Roku, which has just been abysmal lately. Right. And that's why her fund was down 23%. So it's terrible if your top position was up 56% <laughs> and your fund was down 23%. And, and this is why we say we don't like buying the growth companies. Yeah, you're the, the head of the party. Oh, you're, wow, you're so exciting. But when it drops, it drops dramatically. So it's just not uh, our investing that we do, but and that's why. So yeah. and I, I do want to say too, sure. just, uh, you know, talking about the growth stocks, and the, we really don't see them doing well going forward, no. especially with the rising notes and so forth. That's why I don't see her fund doing well, is because growth I just don't see being in favor over the next five years. 
And uh, kind of on that, too, I just want to promo our uh, YouTube Smart Investing Weekly Stock Analysis real quick, too. We did one on NVIDIA yesterday kind of talking about how growth stocks we believe are going to struggle. So, again, if you want to check out that YouTube video, just go to YouTube, type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilson. You can watch our, our thoughts on NVIDIA, another popular stock. Yes, yes. Let, let's move on to the uh, jobs number from yesterday. The headline job number of 199,000. Again, missed the estimate, which was looking for a gain of 422,000 jobs. But again, looking under the surface, a jobs report wasn't really that bad. Uh, to begin, the previous two months saw a total revision upwards of over 300,000 job additions. Uh, there was also a major discrepancy once again between the establishment uh, survey and the household survey as the latter showed a gain of 651,000 jobs. Now, I believe this will bode well for another revision upward next month of the report. Uh, the unemployment rate was also very strong at a rate decline to 3.9%, which did beat the estimate of 4.1% and did come closer to the 50-year low set in February 2020 of 3.5%. I gotta say, doing a great job of getting back the jobs that were lost. Not job creation, but getting back the jobs that were lost. Job recouping. Recouping. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I will say too, one thing that worries me about the report is the labor force participation rate. I mean, it remains at 61.9%. And if you look at the decline in the labor force participation rate from February 2020, when it was about 1.5 percentage points higher, it means that we have lost about 2.3 million people from the workforce. Compare this number to the fact that we are now just 2.9 million jobs below where we stood in February 2020, and I'm concerned about, without an increase in labor force participation, employers will continue to struggle filling those jobs. Because again, if everyone's there and all the jobs get filled, you're talking about a discrepancy of 600,000 jobs, yeah. really. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not that many. And as November of that month, there were about 4 million more open jobs than unemployed workers. This just does not bode well for wage inflation, which in turn concerns me with actual inflation remaining high. I, I, I just, I don't see where people are gonna be able to fulfill those jobs if people aren't coming back to work. Yeah, and, and, and uh, you can't have babies fast enough because it's gonna take, uh, what, about 20 years before <laughs> they can really do any work that, that's worthwhile. Um, you know, one thing I think is going to happen with this is you're going to see a, um, an increase in automation yeah. because employers will figure this out. And the, the sad part is uh, people that don't want to work want higher wages. It's just forcing employers to say, okay, how can we automate this and eliminate those jobs? So I think in five, six years, there's going to be less jobs because of automation really came on strong. Uh, and the other thing we could do, but I, I've talked to a couple of congressmen, I've talked about it on national TV and so forth. Uh, we need to somehow speed up legal immigration to vet people that come in because we need more bodies to work, but you can't just have anybody come across the border um, to, to work. Yeah, and I, well, the, the sad part is you need manufacturing, you mm -hmm. need transportation, and we're not there yet where we have autonomous trucks can drive everywhere. I think that's, I mean, to really feel comfortable with that mass adoption, I mean, that's probably like 20 years out, I think. You yeah. can probably start testing it. I know it's been tested. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic about it, but that's still a while away for somebody to be driving and all of a sudden you see a semi with no driver. <laughs> I, I don't know if people are ready me. for that. Yeah. That scares me, yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, because that is going to be a huge issue and, and that's something that you need and, right. and that's going to, I think, cause a lot of problems. I saw that FedEx is again kind of having problems with uh, 
supply issues, uh, yep. labor supply issues, and getting packages around to different places because they just don't have the the labor force. And when I about the uh, talk about the automation, I mean, uh, GM has what's it called? The Light Force, I think, is what it is. Bright drop. Bright drop. I mean, just things like that you're going to have in in the manufacturing, or maybe for FedEx Express, they'll have like little robots that'll pick up the packages, load the trucks for people, so they can just drive off. So there's going to be ways to cut. Uh, labor out to where like okay we can now cut out maybe a hundred jobs here a hundred jobs there uh, by automation and that I, I've seen actually I remember uh, gosh probably six twelve months ago I saw they actually had a little robot that was a hostess that can actually take people to the table uh, to see them so little things like that and what I think is going to happen is that we're going to have major unemployment probably five ten years down the road because automation yeah so, yeah so if, if you don't have a job, I don't, don't get know. I, I, I'd have to disagree. What's I, that? I, I just don't think we're going to have major unemployment because I, I think automation create, creates new jobs. So then you have people that are going to need to service those robots right. that wait on people. Right. So I, I think that there will always be kind of the shift in employment and how employment is kind of desired. But uh, I, I, I think there could be a small problem. I don't think you're going to have mass unemployment I, I I just I think that there, there will be new jobs that are created with new technology and I, I, I'm not too concerned about it and, and you could be right because the labor force is getting older mm-hmm. um, but you know we are living longer so more people might be becoming back in the workforce even though they're older so it, we will see but what I look at is that whenever you have a shortage of anything buildings land labor you, you do things to kind of fix that and then you know, down the road, like, oh, we went overboard. Happens in every everything. So yeah, we're, we're, we're talking we're the other day about business, though, and our business. And I said, I just want to, you know, streamline this and fix it. <laughs> and I said, there's always going to be problems. That's just business. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is solutions fix those problems and create new, new problems. problems. <laughs> ah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, with that, let's let's talk about uh, Boston Beer Company because uh, they produce the popular seltzer mm. brand Truly. Well, they had destroyed millions of unsold cases as sales have fallen off the cliff. I mean, it's just amazing what's going on with this company. Uh, the, the stock, we've talked about the stock in the past, but the stock's off nearly 50% from the highs as competition from other seltzers and cocktails in the can like Cutwater Spirits took market share away. Yeah, and, and sales of these ready-to-drink cocktails, they call them RTD cocktails, uh, more than doubled in 2021. I know I've had the Cutwater a few times. Uh, I still like the seltzers a little bit better. I uh, don't really drink truly, though, so right. uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but it, it's kind of cool that uh, the Cutwater is a San Diego company. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be. Used to be. But, but uh, got acquired by Constellation, I think, in the deal with uh, Ballast Point. But it, it's just... It's something, again, that we talk about is you, you can't buy into the hype. I mean, people were buying into the hype of the seltzer market and buying Sam Adams, and gosh, it, it just has absolutely crushed that stock. And, and we were kind of joking before the show here. How did they destroy these these <laughs> seltzers? They didn't provide details on that. It just said it was destroyed. It's like they go blow them up. They dump them down the drain. Yeah, they, they must have cut them off the toss, just dumped them down the drain. And we were talking what a shame and probably somebody at, at Boston Beer didn't think about this but they could have given it to like 
like your charity where, where you're doing golf tournaments and stuff and give charities these to make money off of uh, at charity events where you're doing things. How many, how many charity golf events will go across the country? <laughs> There's so many of them. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and the other thing, too, that we were talking about is, you know, the charity thing I think is really nice. But even, too, you could do promotions. Just go take the cases to, uh, you know, different universities. But yeah. I guess it's hard during COVID because a lot of the universities yeah. are closed. But I was going to say, you just go take those cases to the universities and set up a little stand and hand them out. I'm yeah. sure the kids will take them. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I guess somebody in marketing didn't think of that. But uh, it is kind of surprising. And the stock is down and I'm not a, a big fan of, of drinking. I'll have a you know drink now and then. I'll have a, a seltzer once in a while. Um, I did try those Cutwater things, and it's just like I wasn't really impressed. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're okay. It was okay, I thought, yeah. So phone number is 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Going to open the phone lines just in a couple minutes. So if you want to call in and get that unbiased, no strings attached, Firm opinion about what you want to talk about. That's what we're here for. Uh, Chase, I do want to talk very quickly about the 10-year note hitting 1.8%. Uh, yesterday it was, uh, and this was a quick climb from a year-end close, about 1.5%. And we talked a little bit about technology. This is going to cause some problems going forward, uh, I believe, in mortgages, uh, investing, um, many things. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little sure. bit, but uh, in the last show I did, uh, you were gone uh, in 2021. I said, you know, the 10-year note can move very quickly yeah. up to 1.75%. To be honest, I did not think it was going to hit 1.75% <laughs> in the first week of 2022, but as I said, it moves a lot quicker than people anticipate, and that's why you've seen such pain in, in these high-growth names, and I, I mean, we we would not be surprised to see the 10-year note at 2%. Right. And I think two and a quarter by the year's end is kind of where I'm thinking it, it should land. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, I think it was around the summertime we're talking about, and the 10-year note was, was lower at that point in time. And I did predict, I said, I think by December 31st, it's going to be about 1.75%. Well, I was wrong. It's 1.5. I was only off by a week. Yeah. Though, so I was like, uh, uh, yeah, not, not too bad there. <laughs> so, hey, and you know, Chase, it is a new year, so we're going to have a, a, a workshop uh, for people, for investors. I mean, we've got 2022 here. There's going to be a lot of things going on this year. It's going to be an uncertain year, and if you're not sure what to do, well, we're going to discuss why the index may not perform as you expect, how to take the emotions out of investing and avoid the roller coaster ride of investing, and how to build a portfolio to weather the possible upcoming storm. This is a free workshop. You can sign up at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office at 1-800-76-WILL-SEE. That's one 800 Seven six will see. Uh, talk to Priscilla; she'll get you signed up. But uh, so excited to do this uh, workshop again. We've not done one in a couple of months, I think. Right, two three months. I can't remember the yeah. last time we did. I think it might have been September. September. Yeah, yeah it's been it's been a while. Yeah, we we've, we've been really busy with a lot of other things going on. We I, and we love doing the workshops, just like we like doing the uh, radio show. But uh, we're not going to have as many this year. Uh, so you know, if if you need to kind of sign up because if you want to come. Yeah, we, we talk about how everything we do. We show the target sell prices. We show how to do the fundamentals. We really educate you on everything we do and how we've been successful managing money for, gosh, I've been doing it now for 42, I think it's now 43 years. I've been yeah. in the finance world. Yeah, yeah, so. and that, that's a great point. I'm I, going to push people a little bit more here because, as you said, we're, we're doing one in January. I think our next one's not scheduled until, like, April. Yeah. So, you know, make sure if you want to 
come see the Smart Investing Workshop. Register for, for this uh, January 27th one. Yeah, uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, that's uh, Thursday, I believe. <clears throat> and again, seating is limited. So sign up now. Smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Well, let's open the phone lines again. 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Alpine to Jim, who's been waiting very patiently for the last, well, 15 minutes here. Jim, good morning. You're on the Smart Investing Show. Brent Chase. How can I help you? Hey, 15 minutes is a small price to pay to be the first out of the box for the new year. Nice. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. We'll send you a prize. <laughs> so you talk about truly. We we had a family soft drink company about 40 years ago. The government walked in the door and said, turn off the production line. And we were really? modeling at that soft drink cyclamate in it and they literally said turn it off go to every single outlet that you've ever <laughs> sold it to pick up all your product bring it back and crush it hmm. and crush it wow. and was not couldn't even keep it huh <laughs> well we gave a lot of it away we were selling it for a buck a case and uh you know we gave an awful lot of it to friends and stuff i'm talking to some people like a hundred cases wow and uh and uh, we had to take it to the dumps and actually have someone monitor as they drove the cats over the product at the dumps. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, they can find so it. I learned, about, I, learned, yeah, I learned about, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we help you this morning there, Jim? Well, I'm talking about IBM. They've divested themselves from a company I can't even pronounce. Uh, and uh, it's almost like a, it looks like a good dividend play. It looks, you know, it's company seems pretty strong. I, I own some of it, and I was looking at buying some more. All right. Let's take a look at uh, IBM. That is their symbol. Uh, I'm kind of excited to look at this yep. because I always feel like IBM should be a buy. I always get disappointed when I get to some of the numbers. Maybe things will change. It's a new year. Uh, one thing I look at is that they, the, there's not a lot of a short on this. It's about 2.6%. I'm surprised. Institutional yep. ownership is only 58%. Uh, P.E. ratio right now is 26. That is below the industry at 43. Price to sales 1.6 versus 2.1. We do see price to tangible book value, not material. And that's one of the problems that I have with this company is that you take away all the intangible assets. There's no value to it. Uh, we do see price to cash flow. It does look good for IBM, 7.6 versus 19. Nice peg ratio here, 1.9 versus 8.5. So that's good. The lower the peg, the better. Now, here's a problem. Their earnings per share growth over the last year down 15.5%. The industry was up 34%. Uh, and uh, sales, they were actually up 1.1%, but the industry was up 149 So they are kind of lagging there, unfortunately. Uh, dividend, yes, you get a 4.9% dividend. However, their payout ratio, they use 123% of their earnings to pay out that 4.9%. On the industry, it's a lower dividend but they only use 48%. We do see on the balance sheet, current ratio is 0.8 versus 1.6, so kind of a concern there. Uh, debt to equity is very high, 270 versus 100. And keep in mind, a lot of that equity is from intangible assets, which could be written down. Speaking of that, intangible assets make up 51.6% versus 38.6 for the industry. We do see that uh, you got a, a, a day's inventory, 17.9 versus seven. You want that lower, not higher. We do see a net profit margin, <clears throat> 6.4 versus 5.2. Return on equity is 21.4. Uh, versus 16.6, so that's one of the few positives 
that I've seen. Chase, tell us about what's going forward with this company. Yeah, well, to start, I, I want to look in the past with this company first. I mean, current price, $134.83, 52-week high, $145.99, 52-week low, $112.10. I mean, I say I want to look in the past here because you look at the five-year return on IBM, and it's not inclusive of dividends, but right. the five-year return is 5.8%, Ooh. and the 10-year return is just 12.5%. Oh, the, oh that's, ter- that's like uh, terrible. It, it, it's as you said, it's one that... It's almost like every year it's like you kind of want to nibble at it because yeah. the valuations always look pretty good on it and it was IBM nice dividend. and nice dividend yeah. and it just almost seems like it always disappoints. So I don't know, Jim, I know you said you own some. Hopefully this is the year where they turn things around. I, I think they have the potential. They have some good technology assets. I know they're trying to move into the cloud. Um, I know they've made a CEO shift somewhat recently and I, I hoping maybe he could be like we always kind of say like the microsoft president right. now that right. nutella has done over there ceo i maybe he can do it i don't know we'll see but let's look at the earnings going forward i go out to december 2022 i do see estimated earnings per share of ten dollars and 33 cents that would give us a target sell price of 171 dollars and 48 cents so there's room for growth there and, and earnings are estimated to grow year over year this year and next year so that that's a positive but uh, I'm hoping they can get it done for you. And, and I was kind of, I was kind of looking at that as well, Chase. So, do you see the range of the earnings estimates? A uh, lower seven fifty-seven, a high at twelve eighteen. Yeah, does not give me a lot of comfort that they're they're all convinced. And there's only eight of them. I thought there'd be more than that on IBM, but only eight of them. Yeah, no, it's so. it's uh, I don't know, Jim. It, it's one that as I said I want to like, but it's just it's tough to love. Yeah, tough to love. I I I know if he came to us and you were, were going to manage your money, we'd probably say. Yeah, we're gonna sell IBM, <laughs> so we wouldn't hold it. All right. Yeah, I just I, just, I didn't buy a lot. I was I have uh, you know given what they I still can't pronounce the name of the company. They sold Clio something or other, but hmm. I think getting rid of that is is going to be a, a big help. But that's uh, you know time will tell. Time will tell. They, they <clears> bought, I think it was what like Red Hat. I remember they bought something yeah, yeah, years ago, and we were kind of surprised by. It. I don't know if that's panned out. I, I know they've done a lot of acquisitions that, that may have been questionable and, and could be in a spot now where they're kind of spinning them out. So You know, and, and again, I, I don't like to compare this, but I, I have to. You said the 10-year return on IBM, 12.5%. The S&P, 343%. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's just there may be a day for IBM, maybe not. But yeah. I, I, I just would not feel comfortable, especially with all those intangible assets. It's just I, I, I can't find good reasons to buy it. All right, all right Jim? I'll keep, I'll keep my small percentage and not put any more in. All righty. You have a good one, Jim. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Have a wonderful year, and uh, thanks, as always, for being there on Saturday morning. Appreciate You're welcome. Your all right. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go up to San Marcos and speak with Phil. Phil, you're on the, the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year to you yeah, as well. I wanted, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I've been watching it, and I bought a little bit, about 1.5% of my total portfolio of Starbucks, F-B-U-X. I haven't done as much research as I need to. I'm curious for your input. I've been following the union stuff that's happening out on the East Coast, and I know that's bad for corporations i'm i'm curious on the the legal aspects of that or what have you guys heard why i decided to get in now is 
they've been getting crushed the last, not crushed, but last couple of weeks, two weeks mm-hmm. to a month. Yeah, I like their operational footprint during the COVID era. Um, you know, they've been opening up more drive through Starbucks and shutting down some of the ones where you just walk in. Uh, they've got excellent brand loyalty. Um, so I'm just curious on your input on whether I should be buying more. Yeah, well, we'll take a look at the numbers. And I, I, I have heard, too, with the labor shortage that some Starbucks are actually closing during the day for certain hours because they can't get people to come in and, and work, which is not going to be good for their profits because sometimes I go drive by a Starbucks and there always seems to be one or two people in line waiting to get a, a, a coffee from them. So, And I, I was reading an article this morning, or I saw an article. I didn't read it about you talk about the, the unionization on the East Coast. I saw about one store that wants to unionize exactly. in, in Arizona even. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I think that's a very interesting job to unionize. Personally, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of silly to me, but uh, I it, it, I don't think it would hurt or help Starbucks in too many ways in terms of the profitability long term. I mean, it, short term, it would hinder it a little bit, but it, it wouldn't be detrimental to the business. And, and one other thing, too, kind of you talk about the footprint with Starbucks. That's always concerned me a little bit is – you can't go to a Starbucks without throwing, being able to throw a rock at another one across right. the street. I mean, there, there's so many out there. I mean, I know when I go to, like, uh, Albertsons in Rancho Bernardo, there's right. a Starbucks in Albertsons, and there's one right next door. <laughs> and the same thing in Scripps Ranch. There's one in the Vons, and then there's one across a parking lot. Uh, and actually, there's one across a freeway, I think, less than a mile away. So they do have a lot of locations. There's a cost of that. Other franchisees probably pick yeah. that up, but still... Um, I, I mean, I like Starbucks uh, back, and I'm, I'll never forget this because I was so impressed by it back in 2009 at the bottom of the market. Uh, Starbucks was $8 a share. I go, that's a definite buy at $8 a yeah. share, but uh, <laughs> you'll give us what the price is. But let, let, let's get the numbers here for you, Phil, and, and see what we see on uh, Starbucks. Uh, not, not, not much short on it, which is a positive 1%. Institutional ownership, 71%. P.E. ratio, 30.4, but that is below the industry at 33.4. Price of sales, 4.4, expensive compared to the industry at 3.1. Now, no price to book value or price to tangible book value, which surprises me. Uh, the industry does have a price to book of 16. Price of cash flow is 21.3 versus 20. Uh, we do see earnings year over year did climb by 521%. Industry up 98%. Uh, the five-year average, just got to look at that, 127 uh, sales year over year up 25.4% versus 19.1% for the industry. So sales and earnings looking pretty good on the growth, but they seem to be excessively high. I believe that's because maybe the opening of the stores uh, versus last year could be the, the reason for that. Uh, they do pay a decent dividend here, 1.8%, uh, but they use 50% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet they have a quick ratio, a current ratio here, I'm sorry, of 1.2 versus 1.4. That's okay. No equity because there's no uh, tangible book value, no book value at all. So there's nothing, no debt to equity. So, yeah, I have to actually look at their debt to see what it actually is. We do see that uh, they have uh, days of inventory at 28.3 versus 11.2. So that's kind of bad. You want that lower. Looking at the net profit margin, they could do pretty good here with those high-priced coffees, 14.5 versus 9.2. Wow, return equity a negative seventy eight. Uh, not sure why that is that there. I'm. What do I, I dig well, in, it, deeper it, into that? What do you? It's what do you, because equity is negative. 
Oh, yeah. So it's kind of skewing the numbers. There's no equity. Yeah, yeah that's, no equity. that's true. Yeah. So and I do believe Starbucks has bought back a lot of stock over the years. Yeah. I, and that generally can reduce the equity. Um, you know, to be honest, it sounds kind of crazy. It reminds me a little bit of Home Depot right now. Where it, I know it's two separate businesses, but right. they both got those great brand names. They both bought back so much stock that they have negative equity. Yeah, and, and the valuations are quite high. And I'll kind of get into that here shortly. But uh, I want to start with the current price of one hundred seven dollars and fifty seven cents. Fifty two week high, well one hundred twenty six dollars and thirty two cents, and the low ninety five dollars and ninety two cents. It's had a rough start to the year, down eight percent to start two thousand and twenty two. I mean, you talk about the 10-year return. It's done phenomenally, up 444%. Now, if I go forward for Starbucks, I go out to September 2023. Uh, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.98, which gives a target sell price, unfortunately, just $66.07. That's what I mean with Home Depot. It's, a, again, a similar company. Right. That, well, a sim- similarly recognized company that people love because of the brand name, but they're both just they're, they're expensive. They're trading yeah. at high valuations at this time, and... Uh, I think that's why Starbucks has taken a little bit on the chin so far to start the years because you're paying a lot for those earnings and it's it's overpriced. And I do believe, and you'd want to look at a little bit more at this as well, uh, Phil, because I believe they're doing a lot of expansion in China. I say the same thing. Yeah, and China, I'm just kind of nervous about the, the future for China. Could this cause Starbucks problems? Uh, in the future. And the thing I'm curious about on China, I remember hearing a lot about China a couple of years ago. I haven't heard as much from Starbucks on China because it, yep. it was newsworthy, I, but we don't follow Starbucks closely. I, I'm not sure how that Chinese expansion is going. I know that they were kind of taking on luck and coffee. Well, that was <laughs> no. a joke, yeah. but uh, very curious on, on kind of what that, that expansion in China is looking like. I mean, because it, where are they getting this growth from? As I said, you, you have so many store locations, you can you know raise prices incrementally, but where are you going to get that earnings growth to justify a current forward PE multiple of 27? I mean, that, that's quite high. Yeah. So it, you got some research to do there, Phil. I mean, check to see what's going on with China. Um, check on the on the balance sheet uh, how much debt they have. So you got some things to do bef- before you invest into to Starbucks. And I know it's just such a great brand. We all want to own it. But as an investor, you got to say, am I paying too much for this company? Already. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. You too, Phil. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right, that does open on the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. I look over, we got quite a few callers holding, so uh, be patient with us there because it is time to talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Yes, it's Happy New Year, and you got to, I, I like the topic for today, adjustments for the new year. You mean you can't just do a financial plan and just let it sit on the shelf forever? It's okay? Uh, it's not recommended to do that. <laughs> kind of go off those a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, some of the things that I look at at the start of the year, um, you know, this year with 2022, it might make sense to update your uh, payroll deductions into retirement plans like 401ks or maybe an HSA. Uh, This year, we have higher contribution limits for the 401k, Roth 401k, it's $20,500 a person. Um, And then if you're over 50 with the catch-up contribution, it's up to $27,000. For an HSA, uh, $3,650 per person. And then if you're over 55, you can do an extra $1,000 there. Um, IRAs, Roth IRAs have the same contribution limits as they do last year. Right now, we are in the window where you're still eligible to contribute for 2021 
and also you can contribute for 2022. So if you haven't done for 2021 yet, you still have the ability to do that up until April 15th. Um, something else, if you're at the age where you're taking required minimum distributions from uh, pre-tax retirement accounts, it might make sense to update your monthly withdrawals from that to even out to what your RMD is. Um, also, if you're charitably inclined, uh, it might make sense to divert some of that RMD to a charity through a qualified charitable distribution as opposed to just giving cash because that cash might not be deductible if you don't itemize. Um, and then lastly, if you are taking income from various investment accounts, it's always a good idea to look at those withdrawals that you're taking, especially at the beginning of the year, to see if there's any adjustments that you need to make, depending on how your performance was last year and what your tax situation looks like this year. Yeah, lots to think about there, uh, and especially, too, it's always hard when you kind of start the new year and, you know, you have so many other things to think about, but kind of getting going on the, the right right foot there financially is always uh a good point, and I know a lot of people don't think about adjusting their 401k, so that's definitely a good point there. Yeah, and these are things that I, you know, people have to do, and I think they don't think about it. That's why you need a good financial planner that's going to, again, be on top of this stuff for them. Yep. I mean, that's that's the, that's the role, and, you know, a lot of times you'll meet with somebody partway through the year, and it's like, oh, well, you know, we should have been putting more money into your 401k because maybe you sold a property this year, and that would help offset the capital gains. So at the beginning of the year, it's always a good idea to, to kind of look at the year going forward to see if there's any adjustments that you need to make so you can uh, get out in front of it. Yep. Well, Harrison, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday. We'll talk to you next Saturday here on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you then. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Again, as uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner, he is a CFP. He is on a salary, so he makes no commissions, no fees or anything off of anything. He just makes a salary, and it is a fee-based financial plan that you do with him. So if you want to have a free consultation with him, uh, give him a call at the office at 858-546-4306. Again, that's 858-546-4306. Or you can send him an email or you can see more about him on our website, smartinvesting. 2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Uh, oh, before I go back to the calls, I want to mention about the workshop again because the workshop is coming up on January 27th, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. It is 2022, and now you're ready for the uncertain year we're going to have. We're going to be talking about why the index may not perform as you expect, how to take the emotions out of investing and avoid the roller coaster ride of investing, and how to build a portfolio to weather the possible upcoming storm and we will always show you how we manage our money what we use for the fundamentals how we have to target sell prices but what you have to do you got to sign up go to our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com you can also call the office at 858-546-4306 again that's 858-546-4306 speak with priscilla she'll get you signed up look forward to seeing at the workshop in scripps ranch on thursday january 27th Six o'clock. All right, uh, let's go back to the calls here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak to George, who's been waiting very patiently here. George, you're on the Smart Invest Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Oh, hi there. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Uh, listen, listen. Um, uh, there are a lot of, before I ask you about Ford, there are a lot of analysts making a lot of noise about the Democrats pushing hard for a cashless society, and it's going to happen this year. 
What are your <laughs> views about that? Well, it's not going to happen this year. There's no doubt in my mind on that one. Um, there, there, there's always been talk of that. Someday we'll hit that. I still think it's out there a ways. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll not have a cashless society in 2022. I mean, maybe maybe 2030. I don't know. That, that That's a guess. I'm not worried about that, though. Yeah, I'm not too concerned about yeah. the cashless, especially this year. I mean, there's no way that you could shift the economy that drastically within a year. Yeah. Even with regulation, you'd have to pass so many different bills to get around that. I, I know they're kind of trying to do things right. that, that – make it seem that way, but I just I don't think, see it happening. And it could year. be those progressive uh, type of uh, politicians. But uh, let's talk about Ford because uh, I'm kind of curious. I'm glad you called about this one. And uh, Ford, their symbol is F as in Ford. Uh, not much on the float side, 1.9%. Uh, surprise on this too, incidental ownership is only 53.9%. P.E. ratio now kind of high, 35 versus 23 for the industry. Price to sales, 0.7 versus 1.2. Price to tangible book value looking good, 2.7 versus 4.6. And price of cash flow for Ford, 5.8 versus 9.9. I got to love the peg forward ratio, which is PE divided by growth, 0.2 versus the industry at 2.5. Now, the earnings per share growth year over year, nothing happened there. Uh, the industry was up 63.4, and I think that's probably because of Tesla. Uh, sales were up 5.9%, not as good as the industry, up 21%. Uh, we do see their five-year estimated growth rate, 77% versus 31 for the industry. So that's a big positive. Uh, they do pay a small dividend of 1.6%. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet, a current ratio 1.2 versus 2.1. I'm okay with that. Debt to equity looks not good at 400 versus 0.8. But again, they do sell cars and they do finance those cars. So you got to dig a little bit deeper to see what the true debt to equity is. Uh, based on just the debt the company has. We do see very important for a company, day's inventory, 42.6 versus 238. That's a big positive. Day's sales outstanding, not so good though, 117 versus 47. So that does kind of worry me there. Uh, net profit margin, 2.1 versus 6. So I'd like to see a higher profit margin. And return on equity is 7.8 versus 12.6. I would like to see that higher uh, more 12 to 15% range. Chase, what do you see for the numbers here? Uh, so current price here, four four twenty four dollars forty four cents. Fifty two week high will is twenty four dollars and ninety five cents, and a low eight dollars and eighty two cents. I mean, it's had a phenomenal start to the year, up about seventeen point seven percent. That comes after announcing that they're going to increase production of Ford Lightning, which has been. A, a big hit, to say yeah. the least. So, I, I mean, that's a positive for Ford. Uh, one thing that does concern me, though, is over the last one year, it's about 171%. I mean, it's done so well that now it's actually surpassed the market cap of General Motors. Really? Even GM sells more cars, more right. profitable. Uh, I think even it has better operations in terms of its profit margins. And, and I, I just, I'm kind of surprised by this. I think it's ridden the momentum of it and kind of carried it past a comparative point point where it should be against General Motors personally. And I know you got to do the uh, earnings going forward, but I want to comment on that as well. So I think what happened with Ford was they were way behind, uh, and they really turned things around to catch up on the the EV side. But I still don't think they're at the level that GM is yet. So I think this could be an overthink. But we're going to see what we get the numbers. Here. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is on on the autonomous side. I, I know GM does so much there with oh, yeah. Cruz, and I I, I just. I hear that Ford is doing partnerships on the autonomous vehicle side, but I, I don't believe they're on the same right. level as like a, a Waymo, a Cruise, or I hate to say it, but even a Tesla. 
Yeah. I, I don't know where, where Ford is on, on that scale of things, especially to kind of justify its comparative multiple against the General Motors. But I, I will say, I mean, I go forward to December 2022, estimated earnings per share of $2.01 does give us a very nice target sell price of $33.37. So I, I still think there's value to these automakers, mm-hmm. especially I've talked about this in the past. If they can get more on a reoccurring type revenue type standard rather than just having so much risk on car sales. I, I think that's where you can see higher multiples for these automakers. And I, I think it is a very real possibility over the next 10 years that they won't be trading at the single digit multiples as they have in the past. So uh, I, I don't dislike Ford here. I, I think I just like other auto manufacturers better at this point. And, and I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem, but rising interest rates in 2022, if that's going to hurt car sales, because I know sometimes you get like a 0% yeah. percent loan or 1%, 2%. Rising interest rates is that going to hurt car sales a little bit? We'll we'll see. I think we'll be okay for this year, but maybe twenty twenty three could be a problem for them. So, I I I I'm not a fan of it. I know the numbers look okay. I, I did see a wide variance also of the earnings there going forward as well. So I would I I, I would say. I, I just don't like it as level. Yeah. I mean I I I and I would need to do more research on Ford too. I I just it's been one that I I I liked it when it was at you know sixteen dollars a share. Right. $17, $18 a share, but it was just one that, you know, we already have another automaker in the portfolio that we wouldn't do more research on it because, well, why would we? You can't yeah. have two. That's too much risk. So yeah. uh, I, I I just, I don't like it as much as the other ones, as I said. Yeah. All right there, George. Oh, well, I, I, I remember a caller called in about two or three months ago and Ford was at 13 or 14 and you guys passed on it, and it's almost doubled since then. So I just wondered if, if you'd change your mind about it. Uh, definitely not. Just because something goes up doesn't mean you change your mind on it. You can say, well, you know, things like that will happen. But um, it, it's just something that just because it went higher doesn't mean it's going to keep going higher. And, again, it doesn't look bad, but they're just like things that don't look good on it. Yeah, and so, with anything yeah. too, George, we always kind of say it's never yes, go buy it on the show. It's always you got to do a little bit more research on it. And I know on Ford, I, I I've been kind of positive on the valuations on it for years. It's just right. we just haven't done the research on it because we already have another auto manufacturer. Yeah. Okay, there, George. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. Alrighty, that does open the phone line eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three. Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Howdy. I'm looking at LYV Live Nation. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy it there, Steve? No. I uh, sat through a whole hour of the guy you were supposed to hate, <laughs> and uh, that was what you came up with. <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about. Who are we talking about? Yeah, who are we talking about? <laughs> okay, Mark Chaikin has a uh, add-on that has dramatic music, and that leads up, and basically what he does, he sells you his uh, program for looking at stocks for an hour and then tells you okay. Live Nation is what you're supposed to buy. <laughs> okay. Okay, now we know. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> Well, let's take a look at so Live Nation. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we agree or disagree with them there. Uh, Come again as a Live Nation symbol is LYV. Uh, short position, kind of getting up there. It's 9%. Uh, we do see 
not going to like this. No P.E. ratio versus 33.7 for the industry. Price of sales, very expensive, 6.6 versus 3. No price of tangible book value. Price of cash flow is expensive, 27.8 versus 18.3. So we, we like to buy things on sale, not seeing that here. Now, looking at the earnings per share growth over one year, there is no growth on the earnings. The industry is up 126%. However, sales growth just blew the uh, cover off the ball here, uh, 104 <laughs> versus 3.7. We do see a five-year earnings per share growth estimate of 80.3%. That's very good. The industry is at 26.3. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Uh, let's look at the balance sheet here. Quick ratio, a uh, current ratio 1.2 above the industry at 1.1. No debt to equity because they don't have any equity. Uh, looking at the net profit margin, a negative 23.6% versus the industry is a positive 10.5. Uh, return on equity, very good, although I didn't think they had equity. Uh, 221 uh, versus uh, 10.9. So kind of some strange numbers here. Uh, Chase, uh, what do we have going forward for Live Nation? As a current price here for Live Nation, $115.86, 52 week high low, that's $127.75. And I see the 52 week low at $65.88. Over the last year, it's up 59%. Gosh, over the last 10 years, it's up at 1,099%. So, I mean, it's definitely done well as of late. I I just don't know if now's the time to buy it. And I was curious what this company was. It looks like uh, it is the concerts and stuff. It's concerts, but it's was a merger of Live Nation and Ticketmaster. So they actually promote, operate, and manage ticket sales for live entertainment in the U.S. and internationally. So uh, I don't know. I I just, I I say I don't know. Let me give you the number of why I say I don't know. I go to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $1.02. I look at $1.02. That would give us a target sell price of $16.93. And again, the the current price, $116, we'll call it. Trades at a forward PE of 114 times. I, I don't know why ticket sales would be valued at that type of multiple. I, I think the whole thing that I'm saying is that, oh, now that COVID's going to be over, you know, everybody's going back to the the, the concerts and ticket master. That's what I think. I think it's kind of like overdone. It uh, doesn't mean the stock won't go higher. But based on the fundamentals, it is way overpriced. It's pretty weak looking. Uh, craziness can happen for a while. We've seen that with the meme stocks. Uh, but based on the fundamentals and investment, I would say, no, this is not a buy at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. And, and your assessment is exactly the same that I, I came up with as far as uh, your expectation of uh, live entertainment to come back after the COVID. Yeah. Up. And, and actually, I think a lot of that has come back already. I mean, we're seeing football stadiums filled with people. Uh, I'm not sure so much on the co- uh, the concert side. I think for December, maybe slow down a little bit. But I think it's going to come back probably in the next month or two. So, all righty. Thanks for your help. All right, Steve. Thanks for calling. You have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Let's go out to La Mesa and speak with Mike. Mike, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Great. Um, I just, you know, at the open of the show, I heard you talking about autonomous uh, trucks. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that um, I'm seeing or I've heard uh, through a friend who's in Pittsburgh, I was there over Thanksgiving, is that um, when Uber got out of the autonomous 
cars. Uh, there was a company called Aurora that got involved and took over that unit. Now they're the ones that are uh, driving the autonomous stop, you know, trucking in Texas right now. So <clears throat> what's going to happen is, according to Aurora, is that the truck will be will cross the border. It'll it'll be autonomous to a depot somewhere in Texas, and then a, a live driver will take it over from there and take it to where it's got to be delivered. Hmm. And <clears throat> the reason is because you know, you're, you're going into these downtown streets and uh, you can't um, map them as well. Right. So they, they just, they just do it from depot to depot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's closer than you think. It's, it's probably a couple of years out. Yeah. And, and I see what you're saying. Cause on the open road, like the, the highways and stuff, it's probably not such a big deal. But when you get into these the cities, well then it's a problem where again, you're going to have to have a driver sitting there but when they get in the cities, he might take over or she can take over uh, because it's too, too complicated in the cities. That's that's absolutely right. Yeah. So uh, I, I from the sounds of it, I think it's going to be here sooner than, you know, uh, than 20 years. I think it's, it's going to be a couple of years out. But um, yeah. Well, yeah. And I was saying more mass adoption. I, right. I, I think that, like, <laughs> you know, actually having fully autonomous is is where I think that's decades away. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think there are pockets of opportunity for sure where you'll see no driver in the car and it's gonna be weird. Yeah, and it, and it could be a couple of years. I, 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 I think that could be a little bit too soon, but I mean, again, we're, we're looking at the future here. We do have a crystal ball in our office. We'll check it out Monday. I mean, Mary, Mary Barra from uh, GM said mid-decade. But that's for a car. But still, I, I, I just, I, I think like uh, Mike's saying here, if you look at, because I used to drive from San Diego to Flagstaff right. on the, the 8 freeway where there's right. nobody there, I, I think, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to kind of see more autonomous type trucks in that type scenario. That that would make sense that they'd be able to map that a little bit easier. Yeah, I, I, I still get a little bit worried. I mean, I don't know what a semi weighs, 20, 30 yeah. tons, and nobody there. And I, and I guess maybe it will be autonomous driving, but with a driver yes. there sitting there just to take over control if things don't go right. That that could be maybe in two, three years. Yeah. 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 So that, do you hold the, the stock there, Mike, or, or what? No, no. This is this is just a – I just found out about it through a, a guy I knew. Um, I, he was a coworker. Like, you know, he was just in college. This is probably like 20 years ago, and I ran into him when I was, uh, you know, in Pittsburgh visiting friends, and I asked what he was doing. And he kept bringing up uh, autonomous cars. I'm like, hey, what's going on with this? You know, and he started talking about it. And um, I found it really interesting as to where they're at. And, um, you know, but I, I don't know if that company is traded publicly. I would, you know, encourage uh, looking at it, uh, Aurora. It, it, it actually is. It's nothing that we would buy to pull up the numbers on. There's not much on it because they have no earnings. They have no sales. They don't have anything. Um, and it's something that you would gamble on saying this will be the company that can turn things around. Now, what we don't know is like a big truck company like Packar, uh, what are they doing behind the scenes? They could either gobble up an Aurora or they could put Aurora out of business. So you got to look at the whole competition thing. But this would definitely be a speculative play trying to bet on autonomous vehicles for, well, big trucks. So we, we would not buy it. We'll put it that way. We, we don't speculate. We, we like to invest. <laughs> so all right there. Understood. Yeah, I just want to make one other comment. Sure. Uh, you were talking about Ford earlier, and I guess they're part of Rivian. They're they're in, a partner in that. 
and they're also getting into the electric truck vehicles. So their stock went up quite a bit this week when they announced that they were going to increase production. So um, I I, I kind of like the stock, but um, I just noticed that uh, they're they're integrating with these other companies, and I think that's what's going to help them in the long long term. And you're right. I forgot about the Rivian investment, but I I I don't think it was more than twenty percent. Was it? Do you remember? The I don't remember. Changed? And especially, yeah, it wasn't twenty percent of what yeah. they own in Rivian. I, I almost saw six or seven, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's still a sizable chunk. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, especially when Rivian's market cap was bigger than Ford. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I I don't know how they're necessarily partnering with Rivian, but I, I know they invested in Rivian. Yeah, yeah. So good point. I I, I forgot about that. Talking about Ford. Thanks for that. All right, Mike. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-09. Oh, gee, I looked over. It's 855. That's yeah. Crazy. I was like, uh, what are you doing? Since we're out of time here, I was going to mention, we talked about IBM earlier in the show, and it, it, that is a great example of a company that, could do no wrong. I mean, you yeah. go back when IBM was a huge company in the mm-hmm. index years ago. It traded sideways for 10 years. And I cannot remember the name of the CEO that came on. I want to say it was like Gooseberger or something that came on. He did a lot of financial engineering. He was kind of famous for actually buying back a lot of the stock and the earnings were increasing and investors weren't looking why it was increasing. It was because he was borrowing to buy back so much of the Gusenberg, I think his name was, or something like that. But um, I remember talking about him. Again, I've been doing this since, well, the, the 80s. Uh, and I believe in the 90s, he was really famous for, for doing that. And IBM was just like, whoa, IBM, IBM. But he didn't really create a lot of value. He just did some financial engineering. So, yeah, yeah, but it is just something like a lot of times people buy stocks, and especially ones that are are prevalent in name, and oh, it's, it's a safe company because of the name. Right. And right. I mean, IBM is you know a proof's in the pudding, as they say that you know if you would have looked at IBM 10, 15, 20 years ago, it's like oh well, it's IBM, I can't do any wrong. And you saw the same thing with GE. Oh, right. GE can't go wrong. And you got to be so careful when you invest because a lot of times people just invest by the name. Right. There's so much risk in doing so. And, and based on what it did in the past. And, and, and by the way, I do want to tell Richard, uh, sorry we couldn't get to you. It was on hold for quite a while. He wanted to talk about General Motors. And I wanted to go to it, but then we didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to spend out of time. But yeah. I didn't run out of time and just do it too quick. Uh, so, Richard, call back next week. We'll, we'll talk about General Motors because we talked about Ford today. Uh, you know, kind of nice, kind of compared G- GM to uh, Ford. But um, yeah, you, you cannot invest in companies just because they've done well in the past. And people get so excited about things and they invest with their emotions. And that's why our, our line has been for years now, uh, no emotions, just results. That's what we do in our investment firm. Because if you get emotional, get too excited about something uh, just because of the product or because it's gone up a lot, uh, you really got checked to say, wait a minute, let me kind of pull back here and kind of look, is this going to be a good business? Because that's what you're doing, you're doing buying a small piece of a large company. Exactly. So, I mean, that, that's why we're here. That's why we do the Smart Investing Show. Uh, it's also why we do the Smart Investing Workshop. If I would maybe throw that out there for the oh, callers yeah. one more time is uh, that'll be held, what, Thursday, January 27th mm-hmm. at 6 p.m. So looking forward to doing our first workshop there of 2022. Yeah, and if you want to sign up for that, go to our website, Smart Investing 2000. Dot com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And at the workshop, we show you everything we do when we manage 
our money, how I've done it for many, many years. Um, and it's not, it's not anything fancy. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of numbers, but it's about if you had to, the chance to go buy the local 7-Eleven, would you buy it if you had to pay 80 times earnings and take you 80 years to get back what you paid for that 7-Eleven? I would hope not. <laughs> that would not be a good investment. And there is a closing bell. So thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- Five four six four three zero six, and visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com more daily educational information on investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent, with Brent and Chase we'll see have a great day we'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show so amusing to think I did all that This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Odyssey or 97.3 The Fan.